Good morning and welcome to worship. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Will you stand with us and let's sing some Christmas songs. Hark the herald angels sing.
heaven come now. Let your glory reign, shining like the day, King of heaven come. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, welcome and Merry Christmas. We're excited that you're here to worship with us this morning. And if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here. And uh, we would like to get to know you if you're a guest. And the one thing we'd ask is that you'd fill out the guest registration card located in the pew rack there. Later on in our service, when we take up our offering, you can just drop that in, and that can be your offering this morning. Um, right now, we're in a season of prayer for global missions. And a part of that season of prayer, we're also doing our world missions offering. And so in your worship guide this morning, uh, there's this little insert here. And, and here's the deal. We kind of know where these dollars are going, but we don't always know what these dollars are doing, right? So inside of this, uh, inside of your worship guide is this kind of packet here. And it just shows you kind of how these dollars are at work and what they're doing. So for, for $60, that's what it costs to buy materials to disciple a new believer, um, if you think about Bibles going out in someone's language, that costs about $10 per Bible. And so that's just some great information as you pray um, about this uh, offering and how you can join God in this mission to, to bring the Great Commission or bring the gospel to the entire world. This just tells you how this is going about. So as we continue to worship, we want to take a moment just to pray over these things and just to ask God to um, show us what, what our part is in this. Is that we are all called to be a part of the Great Commission. We can go, we can pray, but we can also give. So would you take a moment, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, during this Christmas season, Lord, we reflect upon the fact that you did not have to leave heaven and come to earth to save us, but you did. And Lord, in the same way, you call us to join you in this rescue mission. And so, Father, we ask that you would use us, God, that you would use our time, you would use our talents, God, you would use our ministries, but God, that you would also use our resources. And Lord, as we, we talk about giving right now during this time and this season, God, would we give to the Great Commission? Would we um, give gifts that would have eternal significance, Father? God, I pray for these Bibles that are purchased. I pray for these discipleship materials. I pray for these church planners. I pray for these missionaries, Father that you would use them greatly, and God, that you would reap, reap a harvest, not only here in our community, but throughout the entire world, Father, because you're worthy of worship every corner of the earth. And we thank you for this now. As we continue to worship, would you just move in our hearts to praise you and thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand again as we sing together, our God, our God. Water you turned into wine Open the eyes of the blind There's no one like you None like you Into the darkness you shine Out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is higher, awesome in power. Our God, our God. darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you none like you our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome and power 
with me. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And the people of God said together,
pray with me. Oh Lord, it still blows our mind the way you came. Any other king would insist on being announced to the world with all the highest society being present. He would want to be hailed by all the greatest people on earth. But your coming proves just how unlike us you truly are. You came in the weakest and most helpless of ways as a baby born in a cold, dirty stable. Your royal bed was a feed trough. Your attendants were the lowest in society, shepherds fresh in from the field, covered in dust, smelling of campfire and sheep. The reason you came this way is because you didn't intend to be a tyrant ruling over us. No, you came to walk our paths and eat our food and feel our hurts. You came to be our friend. You came to be our father. You came to be our savior. You came to be God with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. Good to see you today. I want to take a moment to uh, thank volunteers from our church who helped us at our uh, Christmas toy shopping event yesterday. We had 43 volunteers who either helped set that event up Friday evening or helped uh, Saturday morning. Uh, We served 191 families uh, representing 575 children uh, getting toys for Christmas and boy, we appreciate you sharing in the name of Jesus 
that uh, help to people. I got here at 7.30 a.m. There were people standing in the rain at 7.30 waiting to get in for that 9 o'clock event. We gave away everything that we had at the end, and uh, uh, we are grateful for the participation in that. Maybe you didn't get to help yesterday because you had other events going on. There's another opportunity to serve next Saturday. Uh, be delivering Christmas food boxes at 8.30 a.m. They need some help delivering 90 food boxes. Uh, they have 45 vehicles. You deliver two each. That's good math, isn't it? So, uh, you know, that'd be good to have 45 or so uh, people or uh, our cars uh, here. So uh, thank you for sharing the love of Jesus uh, in practical ways during the Christmas season. Uh, during this month, I'm sharing a series of sermons about God. Don't you think it'd be good to talk about God at Christmas, maybe? We, shouldn't we do a little more of that? So uh, I'm sharing a series of sermons, what the Christmas story teaches us about God. The idea here is that the main character of Christmas is God. He's revealing himself to us. The main character of the whole Bible is God. The Bible is not about the people in the Bible, the Daniels and the Davids and the Moseses, as much as it's about God. God's revealing himself to us. So what do we learn about him new in the Christmas story? In this unfolding of God's revelation of himself to us, what is he telling us that we had not known before in the Christmas story? That's sort of what we're looking at. Last Sunday, I began this series. For those of you who weren't here, review for a minute. We learned a, a foundational truth that we really didn't know before Christmas. We had hints, but we really didn't know before Christmas about God that God is Father and Son. God has a Son. The Old Testament had emphasized there's only one true living God. We certainly believe that. But now in the unfolding of the Christmas story, we see that God sends forth His Son, and His Son grows up to call Him Father. And, there, and then we learn of the Trinity, and the Christmas story is the beginning of seeing that there are three persons in one God, that God's been relational for all eternity. We learned about the Trinity last week, about the Father and the Son and the Spirit and dimensions of God that we really didn't know fully before Christmas. Today we want to continue that with a second thing that we learn about God from the Christmas story. Now, to, to get this, we need to talk about two big words. If you don't know these words, it would be uh, helpful, I think, to you to learn them today. So two big words that describe God. Here we go. The first word, big word that describes God is transcendent. God's transcendent. Now, that means God is far away and he's different from us, okay? Transcendent means that God, he's way up there in heaven. He's the creator, we're the creatures. He's holy, he's mighty. Uh, we don't understand all about him. God is far away, different from us. The second big word that we're going to talk about today that describes God is imminent. Imminent means that God is near to us. He's close to us that he's present in our world. So you might say, well, which is it? Is he transcendent or is he imminent? Well, let's look at that together. The Old Testament emphasized the transcendence of God. You probably know that. The Old Testament emphasized uh, that God is lifted up high on his throne and he's different from us, and we don't fully understand him. Let me just give you a couple of verses that are a good summary, I think, of the Old Testament teaching of the transcendence of God. Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Do you get a little bit of the transcendence of God there? You don't understand all of God's ways. He is so much bigger, smarter, wiser than you are, and you can't fully grasp him. He transcends our categories of understanding. He is transcendent, okay? That's pretty much the emphasis of the Old Testament. You get the whole construction of the temple was to emphasize there's a veil, there's a holy of holies. Priests can only go in there. The, the transcendent nature of God that he's hard to, hard to grasp. I want to read to you another passage about his transcendence from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Listen to this. Um, it says, in the year that King Uzziah died, this would have been 740 B.C., King Uzziah died. Isaiah says, I saw the Lord high 
and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him were seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, the whole earth is full of his glory, and at the sound of their voices the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe is me, I cried, for I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Boy, do you get a little bit of the transcendence of God in that passage? Isaiah had a vision of God. He was high, and he was lifted up, and he was holy. And in contrast, I'm not holy, and it reminded Isaiah, boy, I am such a sinner. The distance between us and God, you get it there? That's typical of the Old Testament. But I want to show you something in the very next chapter that happened five years later to see that the Old Testament also talks about the eminence of God, that he's not only Isaiah 6, high and lifted up, but Isaiah 7, he is close by, and that he's going to reveal himself in a way, even greater way, that he's close by. So now look at Isaiah 7, the very next chapter to Isaiah 6, Five years later, Ahaz is king, and there's a coalition of two kings that are threatening to invade Judah, and Ahaz and the people of Judah are frightened. I'll read to you a few verses, Isaiah 7, 2. Now the house of David was told Aram has allied itself with Ephraim, so the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind. He was scared. And God sent the prophet Isaiah to say to Ahaz, don't be afraid, stay calm, because this invasion that they're planning is not going to happen. Read to you a couple verses. Verse 4, say to him, be careful, keep calm, don't be afraid, do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood. God says, hey, they're not going to amount to much, they're like firewood about to burn out. You don't worry about them. And then he says in verse 7, it will not happen, it will not take place. This is what the sovereign Lord says. He's trying to reassure Ahaz. And so he says to Ahaz, to help you believe, ask for a sign. I'll give you a sign. Ahaz says, I'm not going to ask for a sign. God says through Isaiah, okay, I'll give you a sign anyway. And here's the sign in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and he will call him Emmanuel. You hear the word imminent there? Same root. It means God with us or close by or nearby, Emmanuel. And it says in verse 16, For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. He said, I'm going to give you a sign that I'm with you in this. And you don't have to be afraid. And there's going to be a kid born. And before that kid reaches where he knows right from wrong. So within the next few years, next five to seven, ten years, these kings are going to be gone. This threat that you're so worried about is going to be over. Uh, That's that's my word of encouragement to you. All right, in the next chapter in Isaiah 8, Isaiah and his wife, have intimacy, and she conceives and bears a son. They name him Mahashalel Hashbaz. How'd you have to learn that name and write that name? Longest name in the Bible. And the Bible says in Isaiah 8, this next chapter, that before this boy was old enough to know right from wrong, those two kings were gone. Just as God had said, the prophecy of Isaiah 7 was partially fulfilled in Isaiah 8 with the birth of that son, just as God said before he knows that he'll be born. I'll read to you one verse from Isaiah 8, verse 10. Devise your strategy, but it will be thwarted. Propose your plan, but it will not stand for Emmanuel. God is with us. He's imminent, Ahaz. He's close by. He's right there in the midst of your situation to help you. The transcendent God of Isaiah 6 is also the imminent God of Isaiah 7 and 8. But that didn't fill 
full, the prophecy. It fulfilled it, but it didn't fill it full. Because Isaiah 9, the very next chapter, says just what we read together. Unto us a child is still to be born. Unto us a son will be given. And Isaiah 10 and 11 said he would come from the stump of Jesse. He'd be a descendant of David. I've taken you through Isaiah 6 through 11 right there. See? So there's a fulfillment yet to come. And so we come to the Christmas story 700 years later. And this is what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So the prophecy in Isaiah 7 was that a virgin will conceive and bear a child. That happened naturally in Isaiah 8. A virgin had relations with her husband. And conceive, But now it's going to happen supernaturally that a virgin will remain a virgin and will give birth to a son. And it says in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Christmas story emphasizes the eminence of God. That God is close by. He has come to us. Now we knew that from the Old Testament, but the Old Testament primarily emphasized the transcendence of God. Now there is this emphasis on the eminence of of God. He's here. He's with you. I do not mean to say that God has changed or he has ceased to be transcendent. I do not mean to say that, okay, which is it, preacher? What are you trying to tell us? He used to be this way. Now he's this way. No. The great big God that we worship, I am telling you, is both transcendent and imminent, both far away and nearby. And so you've got to hold both of those together to really have the right view of God. Let me show you what happens if you get them out of balance. If your view of God is simply that he's imminent and not transcendent, let me show you a slide here, then here's the extreme, okay? We're over to this extreme now. This is the error that you're going to fall into. You're not going to fear God. Because you, you know God's, oh, he's right here with me. He's my buddy. He co-pilot with me, you know, me and, me and God. I, 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 he helped me whenever I want some help. You know, he's right. Well, you got the eminence. You're missing the transcendence. And you don't have any fear of God. And you need to recover the greatness of God. If you take this, this eminence without transcendence too far, that's what some in our culture have done. And it amounts to pantheism. And that is the view that God is in everything. He's in every rock, in every tree, in every leaf, in every drop of water. God is everywhere. They got a real good concept of his eminence. They have no concept of his transcendence. And you think, oh, I can just worship God. You know, I feel him in the trees and the breeze and he's everywhere here. That, that's, that's pantheism. Yes, Christians appreciate the presence of God in nature. I really, I really feel close to God in nature. I love the outdoors. But it is of a transcendent God who's not just in the drops of water. He made the drops of water. He is as far from the drops of water as, as you can be because he's the creator. And if you get another way where you get this eminence without transcendence is the New Age movement today. Well, I go to Barnes & Noble and every time I go it seems like there's a bigger and bigger section of New Age books. I hear more and more people talking about crystals and energy. You know, God's everywhere, so I get these crystals because his energy field is just everywhere, you know. Well, that, that's a view that, oh, God's, you know, he's all around me. He's in this magnetic field and he's, he's here, you know. 
And we lose the transcendence of God that he is not just something for you to use and make your life better and he's in the rocks or the crystals. He's the creator God that is so far different to you. You're closer to a caterpillar than you are to the nature of the, of the one God who created everything. So you don't want to lose the Old Testament transcendence of God. And that's what's happened to some in our, in our world when we don't have any fear of God. and We just use God. But the other extreme is you don't want a view of God that is transcendent and is not imminent. When that happens, God is just distant. You believe there's a God, but he doesn't have anything to do with your life. And he's just out there somewhere. And that's the old philosophy called deism, where deists believe that there's a God and he made this world but he doesn't have anything to do with it now. He's the clockmaker God who wound it up and now it's just running. And he's not related to this world. And a lot of people who don't know the word deism live like deists today. A lot of people in America would say, yeah, I believe there's a God. Uh, do, you, do you pray? Do you go to church? Do you read the Bible? Oh, no. He, God's just out there. He might be like a fire extinguisher. You know, you got a fire extinguisher at your house, but you don't ever think about it. It's there, and you might run get it if you have a fire and try to remember where it is and, and then hope it works. And so God's sort of like that. You got him in your life, but he's just like a fire extinguisher. You know, he, he doesn't have anything to do with your daily life. He's just, and you might run get him if you have to try to have him and try to find him, try to figure out where he is. But God's distant, and you don't have any connection with God in your daily life. That's really a deistic way to live, that there's a God. And you need to recover what the Christmas story, the Christmas story corrects this extreme, okay? The Christmas story reveals to us that God is Emmanuel. He's with us. And he's very involved in our world, and he's present here. And while God has always been imminent and transcendent, there is a new dimension of his eminence that's revealed in the Christmas story that was never revealed before, and that is that God has become a human being. He's always been here with his spirit, but now he comes to become a human being. Here's the incredible miracle of the eminence of God in the Christmas story. It's why he's called Emmanuel. We looked last week at a verse from some verses from John 1. It's sort of John's interpretation of the Christmas story. Let me read one more to you. One of the great verses, John 1:14. The word, remember the word means Jesus. So you can put Jesus here. Or the word means the son. So Jesus, or the son, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do you hear the closeness of God now? Do you hear his eminence? The message paraphrase translates it. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood because it really means to pitch a tent or to dwell or to live. So God moved into our neighborhood or another paraphrase takes it. God, the word became flesh and God and moved in with us. God's moved in with you. And we have seen his glory. The transcendence of God has now become knowable and visible. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. And so the Christmas story has revealed to us a new dimension of God being with us, God became a human being so that he could identify with us, so that he could ultimately die for us, so that he could experience all that we experience. Let me read to you a few couple passages from the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews really, to that Jewish audience, those folks who understood the Old Testament and his transcendence, and this book of Hebrews really unfolds the eminence of God, of what this word Emmanuel means, that Jesus became flesh. Starting in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, let me read you this verse. Both the one who makes people holy, that's Jesus, right? And those who are made holy, that's us, right? Are of the same family. Uh, he's become part of the human race now. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Do you hear how close he's become to us now? 
And then let me read to you verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, we got flesh and blood, right? He too shared their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. So Jesus has come so close, God's come close to us. He shared in our humanity. He became flesh and blood like us. Why? Because there had to be an atonement for sin, a sacrifice of sin. Without, without blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So God became human so that he might die and by his death break the power of him who holds the power of death. He comes so close to us that he has become a human. Verse uh, 17, for this reason, he had, to make, he had to be made like them. He had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. And because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's also able to help those who are being tempted. You hear the implications of, of Christmas, of Emmanuel there? You, you go through, you're going through, anybody going through any temptation? Maybe any temptation at all? Maybe He's been there. He has been tempted. He knows what you're going through. He's always known. God knows everything. Now he knows experientially. So his humanity means he's experienced temptation. It means that he's a great high priest. He understands you and God perfectly. And he's died for you. Let me read you another passage in Hebrews, one more, from Hebrews chapter 4, continuing the implications of what Emmanuel, this incarnation, this him becoming human means. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You can talk to God. You can have some confidence that it's okay even when you mess up to talk to God. Because you have that great high priest who has opened the way to him. The Christmas story reveals to us in an incredible way the eminence of God. His presence with us. I like sometimes to use a low-tech visual aid to try to help make truth visible to you. And so I want to share a low-tech visual aid with you today, but today I don't have it with me. You already have it with you. And so when you get in your car to go home today after church, I want you to look over on the right-hand side of your car. It's your passenger side rear-view mirror, Okay. Unless you drive a really old car, because I drive a pickup that's 18 years old and it's on mine. So unless you drive a really old car, you look on the, your rear view mirror, your passenger side, and there's going to be a sentence printed along the bottom. You know what it says, don't you? Objects in this mirror are closer than they appear. The government requires that be put there, the Code of Federal Regulations says that it has to be 4.8 millimeters high or larger on the passenger side of your mirror. The reason being that that mirror is slightly convex so that it eliminates blind spots. If it was a flat regular mirror, you would not see things as well. So for safety, that mirror is convex and it gives you a wider field of view. But a, but a consequence of that wider field of view is that things are sort of pushed back and For safety reasons, they want you to know that objects in that mirror are closer than they appear. And what I want you to hear from the Christmas story today is that that's true of God. There will be times in your life when you don't think God is close. And you need to hear that truth that he's closer than he appears. And maybe there'll be some of you in this month of December when uh, people are supposed to be celebrating and having a good time. 
but you've got to drive to a doctor's appointment this month, and you've got to find out how your cancer is doing, and that's a tough situation. And you may wonder if God cares or knows, and you need to look over at the passenger side mirror, and you need to say to yourself, God's like that. Even when he doesn't appear close in my life, he is Emmanuel, God with us. Some of you this year are going to drive to uh, your kids or your sisters or your aunts to eat Christmas dinner. But it's going to be different this year because you've always gone with your spouse and your spouse is not in the car with you this year. And that's going to be tough. It's going to be different. And you're going to feel alone and wonder if God cares about that. And as you drive, you need to look over at that passenger side rearview mirror. And you need to remember that God is closer than he may appear to be. He's Emmanuel. He's God with you. And that's enough. And some of you may be stressed out in the holidays and... uh, Or you may have prayers that you are praying that have not been answered. And kids, here's what I hope you do. Kids, listen up. When you're riding with your parents in this holiday season and they get a little stressed out, here's what you do. You point over to that passenger side mirror and you say, Hey, remember that preacher said, because of Christmas, God is closer than you think he is. Okay? Because at Christmas, the great, transcendent, unfathomable God whose ways are so far beyond our ways has become Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray together. I want to share one more verse with you as we pray. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. I want to invite you right now to draw near to God. It may be in your life that you feel like God doesn't hear you. Things have not been going well. And he doesn't appear very close. The truth of the Bible says his name is Emmanuel. He's God with us. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Right now, would, would you come closer to God than you've been? Would you talk to him? Would you reach out to him? Paul, when he preached to the Athenians in Acts 17, said, God has put the revelation in nature so that we would know that he is near us and that we could find him if we would reach out to him. Whether it's been a long time or a short time, would you talk to God right now? Would you reach out to him and say, God, I want you in my life. I need your help, not as my servant, not as a some little pet in a box but oh great transcendent God you have said I can approach you boldly with confidence and I come to you and ask for help oh God I reach out to you I want to know you this Christmas even more through good times or bad times I want to know you more I, I pray right now as we're just sort of waiting for a moment would you draw near to God He's promised he'll draw near to you. Oh God, may we know you in depths of ways we have not known you before. May we become close to you and find you knowable because you have sent your son to be one of us and his name is Emmanuel. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus, our Savior, amen. I want to invite you to stand together with me for a time of public invitation. Uh, The only way to know the Father is through the Son. Yes, he's knowable, but he's knowable only because Jesus has come. Jesus has come to be a human being, to die to make atonement for our sin. And it is only through the blood of Jesus that we can draw near to him and know him. I want to invite you to become a follower of Jesus. Next Sunday, we'll have baptism. You can be baptized this Christmas. Next Sunday, would you come today and confess your faith in Jesus? Walk down one of these aisles and meet me or another pastor here. We'll be glad to pray with you and set you up for baptism next week. Maybe you need a church home. 
Draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. Why don't you come be a part of his church family? I'd invite you to walk down one of these aisles and join. God speaking to you. If you want to pray about something, God seems far away, there'll be somebody glad to pray with you. Let's sing together. now and worship to God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, just as we sang, your arms are open wide and we're just thankful that you're a God that's close enough that your arms can reach around us. Guide us and, and just help us know your love through this season. We, we, we ask that you bless these tithes and offerings and that we do your work. In your son's name we pray. Amen.
I want to introduce to you Jacob Church. Jacob, would you come stand by me? Your mom and dad can come. Uh, this is Jerry and Rita Church and their son Jacob. Jacob met with me uh, a week or so ago and we talked about becoming a Christian. He'd been bugging his parents about it. That's always a good sign when kids are bugging their parents. I want to talk about that. And then, uh, so he tells me this week at home, he prayed with his mom and dad to receive Christ as his Savior. So we're excited for him. He's going to be baptized next Sunday. If you're excited for him, you welcome him into our church. Would you lift your hand and say amen? Amen indeed. Proud of you, Jacob. Uh, best thing you'll ever do. Y'all can have a seat if you'd like to, and Tim's going to come and share about some things coming up and close this out. We want to invite uh, any, if this, if this is your first time to be here with us, we want to invite you to meet our lead pastor, Dr. Cox. So as you exit the doors of the sanctuary here, head down to your left, and you'll see him there at the welcome desk. He's got a small gift for all first-time guests. Hey, guys, how are you? Man, you look his good. Mike look is still on. He's, he's out there in the hallway, too. Glad that uh, just he glad was just didn't go to the bathroom. welcoming guests. I wasn't going to go there, Todd. I wasn't going to go there. Sorry, I just, it just, I think it and it comes right out. We know. Um, if you're a student, and uh, in the middle school, then this Friday, we've got our Christmas party at 5, high school parties on Saturday night at 5. Don't want to miss out on that. We're going to have a great night. And also, if you're planning to go to Strength to Stand, remember to get uh, your money turned in for that today uh, so that you can be a part of our winter retreat. All right, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you that you're with us, that you walk through life with us, that you guide us, that you direct our, our steps, that you forgive us when we mess up. That you love us. God, help us this Christmas season just to recognize uh, your imminence with us. God, we thank you that you're a big God, a creator God, uh, a God who's not confused by anything or scared by anything, but that you can walk us through all things. Lord, help us this week to be faithful to you. Help us to represent you uh, to the people around us. It's in your sins and we pray. Amen.